and I was alone then. No love in sight. And I did everything I could to get me through the night. Don't know where it started or where it might end. I turned to a stranger just like a friend. I was looking for the rules of acquisition. Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, uh, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest show to ship all its characters. And, but yeah, whatever. My name is Wade Bowen. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. Hi. So, yeah, we are uh, in the season five, episode three. Yes. It's an episode called, what, Looking for Parmok in all the long places. (laughs) That's right. Looking for Parmok in all the wrong places. Episode three of season five. It originally aired on October 14th, 1996. Here is the IMDb description. While Worf helps Quark to pursue his former wife, Grilka, O'Brien and Kira grow uncomfortably close to each other. That's it. That's the whole show. Yeah. It's directed by Andrew Robinson. <laughs> yes. Uh, also know, AKA Garrick. Yeah. So everything good about Deep Space Nine, maybe Andrew Robinson is secretly behind. I don't know. It's possible. <laughs> Garrick is a man who understands relationships. Yeah. And caring deeply for someone who might not realize it he's actually also a very accomplished uh stage director like the year that he directed this he had already directed two uh, one two los angeles drama critic circle awards of uh for directing plays oh yeah and good plays too Endgame and uh harold pinterest the homecoming both of which are favorite plays of mine oh nice. so yeah yeah, that Andrew Robinson. He's he's uh, he's a talented he, he, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this episode's great. I'm just gonna yeah, get this so, out there. This episode <laughs> yeah, right, is right. fucking amazing. I love this episode. And but more than anything, this is it's horribly the... uncomfortable. Were <laughs> 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 oh, oh, you uncomfortable in this episode? What? Yeah, I was a bit. I was, I was a bit uncomfortable. It was. It was great. It was it's great. Not a, that's not my idea of a good time. Like I, I don't want to. I tip my hand for the rewatch, um, but this might have the greatest, greatest disproportion between show greatness and my personal uh, <laughs> desire to rewatch. <laughs> we have we have established on this podcast that you're not a guy that really gets into shipping very much. No, this is or, not my wheelhouse. Well, yeah. but also, Although I do appreciate, but also taboo tipping. Yeah. Like it's very close to like <laughs> oh, personal. Yeah, yeah like. <laughs> The scenes between I, I've been bashing O'Brien for two weeks, rightfully so. <laughs> well, uh, Colmini, but uh, Colmini uh, and Nana Visitor <laughs> have some strange chemistry <laughs> right. that they really lean into, both of them, and it's uh, yeah, yeah. I, you, it's pretty, it's pretty cringy and and glorious at the same time. <laughs> it is strange chemistry is a great way to put it. <laughs> yes. Not since Leah Thompson and Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future <laughs> did strange chemistry <laughs> permeate the screen so And much. how Keiko weaves through it is so fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because you you constantly expect her to 
to respond a certain way and she never does, <laughs> which just adds to the uncomfortability of it. It's great. Yep. Yeah. So that's the B plot. So yeah. am, am I wrong to go out on a limb and say the B plot is your favorite part of this episode, James? I think it may be the best B plot <laughs> ever written. And it, I'm not the only one be, that thinks it might. It might be the best B plot ever written. I will, I will, I will go along with that. The writer himself, Ronald D. Moore, Ronald D. Moore, yeah. says that it's, uh, it's, it's his, it's his favorite B plot he wrote. <laughs> it's pretty, uh, it's fun. Hugh, Hugh likes to talk about how weird space can get. Yes, this is one of those situations. <laughs> yeah, I. That's exactly that's exactly right. This is one of the things that I feel like after three franchises and like hundreds of hours of Trek over the span of 20 plus years, 20 at this point, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred yeah. now, <laughs> but years now, but uh, it feels like that Trek gave us something new to watch, which is a real fucking trick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Also, here's the thing. Um, when we started this podcast, the interesting thing was I felt like we were riding high on the crest of <laughs> peak television. Mm-hmm. So I was, so we were comparing, you know, this show to peak television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the crest has fallen, <laughs> I feel. Uh-huh. And we're, we're not even at the, we're like, nothing's peak. <laughs> we're like, past We're peak. past peak humanity, yeah. past peak America. Past peak capitalism, past peak Trek. So these kind of episodes. It's less peak. It's just like there's just a whole lot of shit out there. And a lot of it's. And, well, and, and I feel like the this, cl- wor- this world is full of shit. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, the yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I know I mean, what I you mean. Like yeah, before- the best show on television is not as good as the best show on television three years ago. Right. But I mean, the, yeah. and then it depends on what you mean by peak. Like, yeah, some senses peak TV. People were just talking about it. as. Well, I don't want to get yeah, bogged whatever. down and splitting hairs about this. But I was just my my larger point is that this episode reminded me how you do serialization Mm -hmm. Uh because the situation that we deal with in the B plot and why it was so great was set up episodes ago and it didn't immediately emerge as an issue, but it was like brought to a slow boil over, (laughs) right? But like in a natural way, in the sense that I feel like uh, we don't get Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. In our serialized Star Trek, right? It was it was kind days. of seated there, and then just kind of sat in the background, and but then it kind of comes to, blooms to fruition in this episode in a really kind of nice way, in an organic way. Mm-hmm. It yeah, wasn't yeah. It, it wasn't like an obvious time bomb, right? Right? Yeah, it wasn't like they were. I mean, it seems like that if you were probably week in and week out on the message boards, it's something you were probably talking about. You know, it was like a reoccurring thread that, like, I'm sure a handful of fans were really into it. But um, uh, yeah, like, like like when he put them his keys in the bowl, it were and <laughs> <laughs> well, I like my point is that like I don't think that the writers uh had to get a letter from Focus on the Family <laughs> saying it's all cool <laughs> ahead of time. Don't worry. Yes, <laughs> uh, the nuclear family isn't is uh yeah yeah isn't right. getting blown up here. So. Wait, do we want to unpack all of this beep, this glorious B plot first? It, <laughs> I was it, I was gonna I was about to say like the B plot is what well, a plot a plot a plot is just aping a famous play yeah. until the end where something interesting happens. Well, and the half the plots of Three's Company. Well, yeah, <laughs> they're all every. It turns out Cyrano de Bergerac is the onus for a thousand 
different sitcom setups. Yeah. And this one is no different. Sure. It's, you know, but like people like, oh, Star Trek takes all this shit from Shakespeare or our famous others. I mean, it's not like this the first time that Star Trek has stolen plot lines from other famous works or anything. Sure. Just, I mean, doing a Cyrano story is almost like, yeah, like it's a sitcom trope, you know? Yeah, but I'm a guy who's, I watched Roxanne 150 times when I was a kid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. My point is that, I mean, I don't want to sell the short that the A-plot is being just, just a throwaway. The A-plot is actually also pretty important to the arc of the show in that things that have been setting up. Oh, sure. Like I said, at the end, something huge happens that 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 also has been seeded last season. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that has been building and building and then exploding in a torrent. (laughs) Well, and even even on a different level, we get an actual proper, like this episode also works as a proper sequel to one of my favorite Space Night episodes ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is the Quark fish out of water story. Yeah, the House of Quark. The the Grilka, the original Grilka episode is one of, I think it's safe to say the three of us. Oh, we love that episode. That was great. It's a favorite of the show. It was an early, it was an early, I mean, like it was was a top five for a while. It's probably fallen off top five status now it, but i you you know what but it's still i mean because we've amassed so many episodes sure. under our belt right right for me personally it's still a top 10 it's really high on my we didn't do the rewatch meter back then right but when i think about deep space nine it's one that i always go back to right it still stands out for like we talked about when we did it like for being an episode where there's hardly any federation people in it at all and it's about the stories of other cultures like Klingons and Ferengi, not about the Federation. Yeah. But well, this this was the sequel to that one. It's a little different. Yeah. In some ways, I don't know. Like, I think that the Grilka Quark relationship was very sort of well earned in house of Quark, where I think maybe they stretch it too far in this. Yeah. I, I, well, it's not it. They parted it out for different purposes. It's like, yeah, but still at the end of the day, Quark, Quark, Quark got to land his spaceship in the docking port. And, like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's because <laughs> I think that was like House of Quark, that episode, Grilka was uh, such a strong character in that. Like, mm-hmm. she's, she's, she's still a good character because we set her up so well. But at the same time, she doesn't really do a whole lot in this other than just being an object for the characters to kind of lust after. Yeah. And that, I mean, she does a great job and everything too, but it, it is like, she just she she's an object to be won. Which mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it, it's almost if you want to look at it in sort of the most shallowest way possible, it's almost a court gets out of the friend zone episode, <laughs> and and that's I don't know. Yeah, it's not. It's ultimately. I mean, it, the whole thing on paper is a story about Cork, but it's a story about Worf. It's about Worf. Yeah, and I mean it'll go down and like if there's after this pod, if there's if this plot line, I don't know. Do. Do Worf and Grilka keep fucking, or is that over? Like, there's Grilka in it. Quark and Grilka. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure. I mean, she put him in the hospital. Uh, right, like, right. Is, so like, yeah. That... Well, when we yeah, I don't know how how that ends, but surprise at the end of this episode, it's like Rodney Dangerfield in a uh, Caddyshack. Hey everybody, <laughs> we're all gonna get late. <laughs> <laughs> except, except for Kira. <laughs> Oh, right, right. Very specific. <laughs> right. Well, no, she's got to see Shakar. Oh, oh so she, yes, she's, she is. Yeah, so, she's going to get that George Washington dick. She's going to ask She's gonna ask Shakar to speak in an Irish accent. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to see Shakar and hoping she doesn't call out Miles. Can you make it? Shakar, can you? Can you, can, can you get a perm? 
can you, yeah. can you make your face look fatter? <laughs> kind of, if you pull your chin back, can you do one of those? So, okay, flip a coin, heads or tails, or just pick. What, do we want to tackle the A plot or the B plot first? I, I kind of want to end on the, you're right, the, the A plot ends with importance, so let's end with that. Okay. Let's just get all of our, let's get all of our crass sex jokes out of the way first. <laughs> right. <laughs> So there's uncomfortable massages. Everything yes. starts with uncomfortable yes. massages, right? Well, and uncomfortable fighting like that. Oh, there yeah, is this... the open. The cold open is I love the cold open, too. Like there's fighting going on in the O'Brien's room. First off. OK, there's two times where I think that, uh, you know, like an SJWs like us could critique Bashir's uh, as a person in this episode, one of which is. <laughs> Him sneaking up on the door, which is yeah, yeah, eavesdropping on the battling O'Brien. Don't be ridiculous. And the other one is the dirty conversation he has with Miles in the hospital. Uh, yes. That one, I believe, that would totally happen between two men. But sneaking up and listen at the door—that's beyond me. <laughs> that's a creep move, Bashir. Like that's fucking weird for a, a guy friend to sneak and listen. I don't know. That's weird. To well, me. it'd be weirder if it were like sex noises. Uh, yeah, I guess it was fine. I guess you're no, but like to be that, no, like you're your friends. You just you wait and he'll tell you what's going on. But I mean, they set it up to have the French farce joke where right. you think and they yeah, well like Quark comes. I like Quark coming up and being <laughs> it just like Ferengis have really good ears. He's like, oh yeah, yeah I hear exactly what they're saying. He's like, oh really. Tell me all about it, because I'm a gossipy creep. <laughs> I'm a weird gossipy creep, yes. <laughs> yeah. So you're fighting. It's led you to believe that it's Keiko and O'Brien. It's like, oh, the O'Brien's are fighting, and then Keiko just walks up. Yeah. Hello, Julian. <sighs> Not those O'Brien's, the other O'Brien's. What? Yeah, Kira is an O'Brien now. Okay. Yeah, so the next scene is that he's giving her these. She's in, like... A nighty, <laughs> right? Yeah, and he's giving her like these deep body massages. Is that before or after the creepy Julian and oh, Miles maybe. in the hospital or in the sick bay? Or he's like picking up all these herbs for her, like oh Tokayo root, and he's like what? Yeah, I don't, I don't know Macaro herbs because apparently he's not just a doctor; he's just an herbalist at this point. <laughs> maybe it's Chinese medicine. They're very forward thinking in the future. Yeah, we just give you some stuff. Take these herbs for her ankles and dissolve it. It has to dissolve in fruit juice. It's like, that's okay. Yeah, and then, and then he's like, oh, well, she's got this rash on the back of her thighs. He's <laughs> like, Jillian, and fair, he's like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Yeah, which I saw when she was getting out of the bathtub, and he's like, what? And he goes, I didn't, he goes did you look? And he was like, I didn't look. I put it, like, I, but if you're looking at the back of her knees, I'm pretty sure you're right. seeing something. Yeah, I, yeah, it's like, yeah. what do you think yeah, I am? Yeah. She had a towel. The nose isn't the only thing that has ridges, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you looked. That 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 a conversation is is that's believable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so so it is. It's it's going into this sort of. And I don't like that. It's sort of fun at this point because they're playing with these. You know, you're playing with these taboos. It's gotten to the point where the the purity of the O'Brien's relationship is under this stress, and yeah, it's an interesting. It's it's playing with an interesting dynamic. Yeah, because Miles has been nothing except a committed family man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we've He's known not- him. As soon as he got a personality from after just being a guy that pushes the transporter button, his first personality trait was that he's going to be like a good husband or loyal or whatever, almost. Yeah. Yeah. But then we cut to that scene where he's giving her a massage because it's... And it's going deep and they're both really 
good. Like, yeah. None of visitors do at her job in that scene. Right. It is like, oh, it's a O'Brien survival technique to give good massages. And then, it, it, you know, the subtext becomes text where yeah, like, she lets it be known that she's right. Oh, she'd like to r- run away into the glen with him or whatever. <laughs> right. Oh, you miss Ireland. Oh, I'd go with you. I can think of worse things than spending three weeks in Ireland with you. Uh, yeah, me too. Me and then Keiko walks in. Like, oh, Keiko walks in and then it's like he's got to hide his boner and that. <laughs> right. Her too. She's like, like oh. And in, in, in all programming of all television, that moment Keiko is supposed to come in and be jealous. Right. And it's not even that she comes in and is oblivious. I don't even think it reads as oblivious. It's like that. It reads as a. For whatever reason, she's giving them a certain amount of leeway. Yeah. Because it's a part of the family. I didn't. Because it's still in the family. Yeah. I saw it as a little bit oblivious, as like, but not like in a way that. It's she, some degree. She trusts her husband. She No one ever thinks that O'Brien would be. Tempted, and you know, and it's Kira. Kira's not going to do something creepy either. Do we, but do we know that? She's just like, oh well, this, this woman's going to have her baby. You know, it's like she's the family, so it's like it's like washing your kids in the tub. There's nothing weird about it. It's like, oh yeah, she's just. I, I don't. That was probably a weird comparison. I, <laughs> I guess to speak as a as a married man. I don't expect my wife would come in and be totally oblivious to the idea that I'm massaging a woman in her 90s. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I, I do think that... The woman who's living with you. Yes. Right. She's around all the time. Yeah. And is caring. Right. Is around all the time. Yeah. And, but it's the baby part that makes it... It is like there's this strange allowance that Keiko... Because it's not sex. I don't think she would be cool with that. I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying that, that there is some sort of allowance that she allows Miles to dote over... A pregnant woman, because I mean she's caring, she's a, she's a person, but she's also a vessel for her baby, right? And so I think the more that right. yeah, the more that O'Brien is nurturing and taking care of her needs, which requires at least some emotional intimacy. See, I it's that's the do- that's good. That's O'Brien doing his job. Yeah, it's the doting. I think is the key part of it. Yeah. Like she herself is doting on. Kira's every need because yeah. she's carrying her child. So of course she, you know, mm-hmm. and to her, it, Miles is an extension of her doing that, you know? So she's like, well, Miles, you do everything to make sure that she's as comfortable as possible. And then maybe <laughs> even if it means no, not so far. Even if you have to have sex with her, Miles, you do what she wants. <laughs> I, it's, it doesn't go that far. It's not. That's not what I'm saying. But, but it does. Sometimes it's almost bordering on that kind of fun. <laughs> like if I want to make jokes about, you know, throwing keys. Don't in the stuff ball. on my account. Yeah. So I mean, it's um, it's an interesting, and it's one of those things that you can only. It's the only situation that can only come about if you can have the science to do these baby transfer things. So it's an only a situation, an emotional situation that can come about. Through science fiction. Right, right. And that's sort of the fun of it. Yeah. And then I guess the next scene in the story would be that she... She, her and... Oh, it no. turns out that O'Brien's, like, shitty at his job all of a sudden. Cause he's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's upper pylon three. There, There's shit being stolen in the... Because it's her and Odo and having their little uh, security briefings. Yes. And he's like, well, if, if if Miles would, you know, take care of this integrity fields, the bulkheads are tor- torn open. People would just run in and get whatever. And she's like, ah, come on, give Miles a break. <laughs> this is a scene that's great because uh, we see a couple things going on with Odo. Yeah. He is clearly picking up on the, the vibes between them. Yeah. Miles, and, and oh, he was just the chief before. And he's jealous. But then he turns that jealousy into his sly interrogation mode. Right. That slow 
accusation that he unloads on her is completely in character, you know, in step with his law enforcement side too, which is really masterfully played by Renee Abinjouan. It is. And it's fun enough. It's not like, because, I mean, we did have that episode where he decided he was going to get over her and he, he didn't really, we know that, but in this scene, it's, you know, he's not like playing petty jealousy. He's he's even having fun with it himself. It's like, oh, the chief, partly because he probably knows the chief isn't going to do anything about it. And and maybe they've progressed enough in their relationship where he can rag her about it a little bit without getting all the emo Odo, which is, you know, a nice change of pace for him yeah like oh miles Ooh, tell me he's miles now i don't it's like look i'm fond of him okay it's like well you're fond of the chief but miles I, you know, he is that's sort of story. accusing her of trying to homerick a little bit oh yeah. a little bit yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah that's that's what's fun about it yeah <laughs> yeah oh, he's like family oh which part of the family like your yeah wife, sister daughter cousin hmm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting, and uh, I guess that prompts her to decide to go away, snap out of it, really. Yeah, well, she tries to snap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, I gotta go. Yeah, oh fuck. Yeah, yeah like I gotta get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah the, uh, going to the Musilla province. Her her, her, Sal- her Sally Hawkins bathroom time uh, got infected <laughs> by some Irishman. And <laughs> oh, oh, you caught up. Oh, I'm sorry. still, I'm sorry. still haven't seen the movie, but I'm aware that she masturbates oh. in the bathtub. <laughs> It's um, our spoilers. Spo- so spo- spoilers for a movie: a girl masturbates in a bathtub. Um, it's a great film. Not, I not think, just right. A- am I right, Hugh, or am I wrong? But, yeah, you yeah. Okay. yeah, you ain't, you ain't wrong. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, you both seen it. <laughs> you ain't wrong. So she decides to go back to Bajor, but then Keiko. Yeah, yeah. And, and Miles understands it immediately. He goes, "Yeah, go." He's go. like, "Oh yeah, great. That's a that's a great <laughs> idea. That's a great idea. Get your fucking ass out of here." <laughs> yeah. Wait, are you two fighting again? Like, no, we're not fighting. <laughs> it's like then you're gonna let this woman, you're the carrying your child, go off without she could give birth. Like, no, seriously, just let her go, please. Like, no, Miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pack your bags and go on with her. He says, Keiko, do you know the song Don't Stand So Close to Me by this release? <laughs> <laughs> so that she she demands that they go together. Right. And and it's not her being a shrew or anything. Yeah. It's just like, come on, yeah. And then it goes to the best scene in the thing where he's like, okay, so where are we going? They're in the runabout. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. And she's like, tell me about it. And she's describing it. It's like, oh, shit. And there's all of this water flowing imagery. <laughs> right. It was, oh, there's 30. 30 miles from civilization, 20 miles from the nearest neighbor. Like, oh, 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 shit. There's there's horses galloping (laughs) along rivers. (laughs) It's basically the most romantic thing ever. You know, I (laughs) was like, oh, fuck. I'm not going. I'm not going. She can't make me. Yeah, so that's what he's just like. I'm getting the fuck out of here. And so, and it leaves. I'll tell her you left an early and we just crossed. It didn't work out. You'll think she'll buy it. It's like, I don't care what Keiko says. I'm not going. I can't do this. So I think that I've said before that I think that the, the writers do a really shitty job when they try to do i think maybe a long time ago i said the writers do a really shitty job when they try to write farce uh-huh yeah this is to, this is traditional for, and this was that scene specifically but this whole storyline it's pretty tight farce oh yeah well the reason why i think a lot of it i don't think the writing of it is particularly good but i do think that how it's presented i think it's wonderfully acted mm-hmm. and wonderfully directed too yes like because they understand that the scene needs to like start at a two and then progressively dial it up to yeah. to 
turn up the heat on you know on how romantic yes. romantic the situation is going to be. Yeah, and again, I think that probably comes from Andrew Robinson's theatrical. I am actually. I think you're right on this. I think I think that mm-hmm. maybe that is right. Even like because I think good directing makes writing look better. Because even like because you think that the scene where he comes back and says something and she's like, "Can you just get out?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And that was such a like a well timed moment. But that, yes. that oh, was yeah, yeah. that was on set. Yes. Like, well, was, it, it it does does sound nice, didn't it? It's like yeah, yeah, it really did. And they kind of look at yeah. The, <laughs> Miles, get out before I just start. Yeah, humping it's a you wonderfully right directed. Yeah. It, and you, the way Nana Visitor delivers the first, the first indication that it's kind of jokey about how wonderful it is. Uh-huh. She when she cringes and she's like, "It's it, you." You realize that they're on the same wavelength uh-huh. yes. because of that, yes. because of that delivery, not necessarily because of the line. And you know, she could have come in hot with that. That's true. Yeah, that line <laughs> at her first read too, and ruined the whole yeah. thing. So it it was, and it is. I mean, so for Star Trek, it's surprisingly sexual, like thick with sexuality. Like, it's, yeah, it is. It's not just indicating that they're horny. Like, it's it's <laughs> right. It's it's imbued with it. So, like, yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, this this whole episode is not afraid to just like say yes, it's about sex, and we haven't even started <laughs> talking about choke sex yet. <laughs> I know. Oh my god, there's so much choke sex in this. But uh, everybody gets laid. We're all gonna get laid. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Uh, it's it's super great. It's that kind of stuff that we talk about. Maybe when we, um, I don't know, you know, I don't want to put names to things, but maybe we watch shows where we don't think characters are very well developed or have meaningful or interpersonal relationships. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. That's what I was yeah. saying earlier. Is that like this is showing how how you do like serialization? Yeah. And so there can, there could be a scene in in season seven, episode four, or some shit. I don't know. Or. Kira is talking to O'Brien, and you're just kind of smiling because you remember that that's in their past, you know? Yeah. Right. And that, that there's times that they know that. Yeah. And so they don't even have to say anything. It doesn't have to be important. It's baked in. But they've had, they've gone that mileage together, and you've watched them do it. And it's it's really rewarding to everything. Right. I do wonder, because I don't remember after and because they're kind of resetting some and to some extent they do reset things and tell you and they have to remind you of things in episodes because they're these long seasons mm-hmm. of how often it comes up that when Miles and Kira are in their scene together like later on to how much there's like sexual tension lingering or something or if I was trying to, to remember that with because it's been forever since I've watched a lot of these every, I don't I don't yeah I, it's it's yeah, all blurring me until like I watch going it. For, going forward I'm going to be paying attention to that in ways I maybe haven't before. it seems like it was probably I mean it, it, I, I think it the kid is probably oh yeah that a lot like Kira's relationship with that kid and they're like that would be but I don't yeah, remember yeah, yeah. I don't remember what like the kid might have died I don't remember we'll we'll, we'll learn yeah. <laughs> Jesus that went dark quick <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well I'm just saying like I don't want to say like I don't. I'm acting like I know that they have a second kid, and I'm like I'm trying to remember, and I don't remember the kid on the show. So I I feel bad that I don't remember. That could be missing something important. So spoiler: I don't think they 
pull infanticide. I don't just... think so either. But there was one time when you went on a, there was, we can cut this, but there was one time you went on a long thing about an opera and Tane and Garrick's relationship. And I was like, oh, oh, oh I totally did. I totally did. And you went on a whole flight. And so I'm saying that I don't want to go off enough. on a flight of fancy about Kira's relationship with O'Brien's kid if O'Brien's <laughs> kid died in stillbirth or something. And I don't remember that. Duly noted. Yeah. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so I, it, it's, I'm scared. But so, I'm worried anyway. about that kid. I want to be okay. That's all. <laughs> Are we done? Is that with a speed plot? I guess so. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We find out she's going to get that hot Bajoran yeah. yeah. B from, from uh, <laughs> what's his face? And O'Brien is probably just going to like take a cold shower. <laughs> He's like, I'm just, I'll be in the bathroom for a while. <laughs> yeah, Molly yeah. just. Crassly let... put, O'Brien and Keiko get to have a baby and have non-pregnant sex. Oh, right. They, they're, cause so it is the... They get close to it when he's like, oh, I'm going to be home at 1,700 hours every day now. And, they're, and then Kira walks in on him, and Keiko isn't phased at all. She's like, oh, yeah, oh, Kira, you know. <laughs> yes. The, the, the weird relationship with Kira in their, living in their household yeah. is very strange. Yeah. I still think that... I like this. I like it a lot. And I'm pleased that Kira is good enough of a person in her character to be a trooper about all of this but i would like to see one episode where she's less of a trooper about it (laughs) we might i think we might get that right before it's over hopefully yeah i don't remember hopefully i thought we got this is this is a this is a major encumbrance upon her life oh yeah it's still all billy ache about the sneezing in the previous episodes yeah but that's that's played for laughs. They, but, they have a little mask for, yeah. yeah. But it's not like she's had her life, you know, she doesn't throw a fit about having her life kidnapped from her for a be- for a time. Sure. And she's forced to be in some sort of Bob, Ted, whatever, <laughs> and Alice play, like, over at the O'Brien's. And so. Yeah. Yeah, like, like she, there's no scenes like, man, things with Shakar have gotten really kind of strange lately because I'm having another man's baby and all. Yeah, he can't, <laughs> if know? he comes to the station, she can't, does she have to get like? I guess they mm-hmm. give him a room, and then she can I go to know. there. His maybe, room. yeah, we'll see. I don't. Yeah, maybe he just doesn't get to come at all. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> or they're they're going at it in her bedroom, and Molly is oh, looking, God. and like they have to like all very good questions. Uh, right. But the a plot, <laughs> the a plot, which is just as fraught with sexual weirdness. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, like, uh, Worf turns into a cartoon wolf immediately when Grilka comes onto the station. He's like, a wooga, who's that? <laughs> and But Dax is, I like, uh, Terry Farrell in this is great, I thought. Like, yeah. The, the first, like, oh, who is that woman? And Dax's like, her? She's okay. It's like fucking Arrested Development. It's like, her? Do you, do you not like her? her? You know, mm-hmm. everything's still really well with yeah, the yeah, character. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. Dax is, like, plays it light at first and has, like, a lot of patience with Worf. Right. And Worf and his being the Klingon of two worlds fucks him up a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's got to cast that aside a little bit, and we get to see some, some humor with that, with him ordering something besides prune juice and throwing more around, you know. <laughs> oh, right. I've got to say, even from this that beginning scene, like, we all know where they're going with this. So I don't want to play coy. Like, clearly, Dax is in love with Worf. Yeah, yeah. Worf is the last to find out that he's in love with her. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They play all of these beats so perfectly. Like, she's not, like, she's she's a self, still a self-possessed woman. Uh-huh. So, and, but she's... It fallen in love with the man, but she's not. She's not like I. Su- I'm surprised that this male-dominated writers' room was able 
to write a woman who's in love with a man without being doting or petty. Right. Or, or, you know, like the, she's never like giving him like, uh, you know, batting her eyelashes and pouting about him or anything. You mm-hmm. know, she's, she, she's got humor about it the whole time. Right. Yeah. And she's, she's got humor about it and it's that she's in control of her emotions with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like that. She's, is that she's, it's the most healthy unrequited crush that <laughs> I, I could imagine on one of these male written yeah. shows. Let, let's compare it to say like Bashir's crush on her in the early seasons. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Where they had several conversations where yeah, he's just, come on, let me fuck you. And she's like, Whoa, God, yeah. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> yeah. It, there was some really, there was some real gross stuff there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's, I mean, she stays, perfectly confident she's calling him i mean she's playfully calling him out on his bullshit she is like i i like that she plays the i'm more klingon than you card <laughs> yeah a lot yeah. <laughs> so, yeah yeah and i think that's a fun you know that a lot of people get to play that card on Worf. And it, <laughs> yeah it's a fun yeah because yeah the first part of it where he's like pining he's like i have to make that woman like she yeah. i'm gonna do whatever and then he's like dax is like her her she's all okay and then when he sees her <laughs> grilka with Worf, he's like him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the, you mentioned it before, like that great scene where he goes up to mourn, like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about this. <laughs> just through. I'm gonna have to apologize <laughs> for this. Later. I will apologize to you. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, like later. that is my chair. Because <laughs> Worf is nothing if not protective of his seats, you know. Yeah. And then like it's, it's and then Topak the, or Topher or Grace or whatever the guy's name is. The old guy is, is like, hey, come here. Listen, Sonny Jim, come here, have a seat. <laughs> Look, yeah. I see what you're doing, and that's great. But listen, you're not in trouble. It's fine. Yeah, listen, you're not in trouble. <laughs> he does take that sort of like helpful but patronizing tone. Yeah, yeah. But they yeah. say that you're, you're disgraced and you have no house. Come on, man. Who are you fooling here? You can't do this you're basically a human so just just be that let's way. be serious it's not your fault you're raised by humans in your federation and you're just great so <laughs> yeah. but I mean, seriously have you you've never been with a klingon woman really have you and <laughs> was like what no i mean no <laughs> i guess he like a half klingon woman you don't really know much that's what i was gonna say that he did have like a klingon kid with a klingon but she was half klingon and was decidedly yeah, like, like in the Earth culture. Right. She was Klingon in name only. Yeah, like, she was an ambassador. She was a well, diplomat or something. The, the way they decided to hook up was in the battle. Yeah. Well, she had enough. Well, yeah, of, but like, that was like. Th- they all got hot and bothered and bad. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not. They didn't exactly go go to the drive-in or something. And hook <laughs> no. Up. They, no, but she. decided to lay human. They they did some hot, sweaty, gross. But her, their courtship was. Their courtship was the same, like, choke sex. We're going to fight. But. Yeah, exactly. But also, she didn't want to follow any Klingon rituals to their to their relationship. Yeah, yeah. She was very much... And that that he had hang-ups. Right, he had right. Klingon hang-ups. That's right. she's like, I... I'm not about that. I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm, I'm not into that shit. Yeah. She worked for, like, the Federation State Department. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was, like, the ambassador to Klingon or some shit. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So they do that. The guy that, the guy that is actually seeking Grilka's hand... Oh, her bodyguard, Thopak. Yeah, that actor is actually was in the shortlist to be Benjamin Sisko. Oh, wow. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, once they decided to add a son to the show... 
they he lost out because it's, ah. he, he's young uh, uh, okay. San Francisco. So yeah, so he's like, no, I've, I've never pursued a Klingon woman, <laughs> and then it cuts to on the Defiant, and he's like, I'm so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> she would never love a guy, right? I'm a fool. I was like, oh. and so then you have this uh, sort of scene where uh, I mean, that's when the Cyrano de Bergerac starts. Right. Quark comes in to talk to Dax because yeah, we've set up that Quark and Dax are buddies, mm-hmm. you know. And she's been, he's like, look, man, she's invited me to a private dinner. You know what that means? It means I'm getting laid. <laughs> <laughs> and then Worf is like, well, no, it doesn't. I guess we should say she was really she just wanted him to fix her books, right? Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> he was like, she was like, I, I, I need, I need an accountant. Right, and she is. <laughs> and you're the only person I know. Right, and he was like, I will. Okay, sure. And, well, and to give Grilka credit, she's basically there as a thing to be pursued. But her setup for going there, she's like, well, she can't come out and say she's just there for his help. Yeah, Klingons don't go to accountants. Right, right. But also, that probably means that she needs a better accountant than she can get in the Klingon Empire. Yeah, so. right. She's like, well, the war's <laughs> been pretty bad. We've lost ships yeah. and men and territory or whatever. It's been bad on us. And Quark is smart, too. So he's like, oh, do you want me to look at the books? And she's like, well, if you really want to. And he's like, yeah, okay. Like, they play the game. Yeah. And... He's like, well, when we were married, there wasn't very much af- affection, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and then this is where Dex is like pretty explicit. And he's like, look, I want to pursue it. And she's like, what? Oh, for sex? And he's like, no. Well, yes, of course, that too. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't put it in words. <laughs> right. And she's like, well, okay, well, all right, fine. This is what you got to do for step one. No staring at her cleavage, okay, Rick Berman? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and are you supposed to take from that that she gives him a bunch of, like, kind of pedestrian advice, but Worf gives him, like, Right, the, right. Uh, she's she's from the Macrovac region. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come in like Gaston and put <laughs> right. it, like... Take the leg of Lingtop. Put a giant leg of beef on the table. Yeah, and, sweep it across and say, I want to be with you, lady, and do you honor. <laughs> I will feed you for the rest of your days. <laughs> right. Like, I would like to... Yeah. I think they missed an opportunity, but... I, filming these scenes that would have been fun to watch court oh, yeah. but uh then they have like this is where like season five ds9 is just making better decisions than they would have earlier yeah there's this scene where Worf is like in his like his chamber of sorrows being all emo and he's like lip syncing he's no he's singing klingon opera oh, he's singing he's wow. singing yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i yeah. wrote all this shit down yeah yeah that's what i've I meant. saved you so far from reading out loud every bit of klingon that's in this episode <laughs> Yeah, never mind. Okay, so I can't remember. Oh my, I'll put it in post. (laughs) He's singing this song, and you know we all have done. You know we all act like fools when nobody's looking. Right, right. And that's a thing that everybody knows. And then like Quark comes in and and catches him doing this embarrassing thing. And earlier DS9 and other Star Treks would have made like a big. (gasps) How long were you there? Like make a big thing about it, but Worf just. Just shuts up. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, sh- <laughs> he yeah. just he like he like goes and turns the radio off. Like he doesn't like make an outward, and that's that's a more naturalistic decision, and it's such a better decision. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it, yeah, I wasn't doing nothing. Yeah, you get to like sort of soak in the embarrassment, and then he, it, it's a it's a more mature way of writing, and it shows a much more mature wharf. Yeah. Then they keep on the. Uh, uh, she said, "I had the." Heart of a Basai master, and like I don't know what that means. It's a poet. So I go, I I can live with that, and. Linked uh, tasted really bad. We listened to this noise he called music, and then I left. 
I what it Worf says something shitty about Ferengi courting, and then like Quark is like, see. This is why nobody invites you to parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is why. Yeah, this is why nobody invites you to the good parties. Right? Can you help me unlock her heart? Yes, I can. So I guess next is not Benjamin Cisco freaks the fuck out. Oh yeah. As Quark's attentions get more stronger, and then basically threatens him to a duel to the death. Yeah. And then the then the stupid. The stupid infects the episode a little uh, bit. Oh, you didn't like the, uh, instead of the Cyrano earpiece to tell him what to say, it's, I will control your emotions with a yeah. Ferengi brain controller. Yeah, it was a little weird. I liked it, but I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little, like, it, that's fine. It's, 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 it's whisper. it's the, okay, so how much of it, okay, so there's two Cyrano de Bergiacs. There's the real guy who wrote the book about the comedies about uh, the Republic on the Moon which is what we've talked about in our Dune podcast where the guy puts some model mm-hmm. rockets on his ankles and goes to the moon and, and sees all the, you know, the culture up there. Yes. That's Cyrano de Bergiac. Like, a hundred years later, this playwright, Edmund Rostand, is it Rost? I don't remember. Rostand, yeah. Yeah, wrote a play about the sci-fi writer. Mm-hmm. I call him the sci-fi writer because many people <laughs> consider him to be the first science fiction writer. And he's the guy who who's a, a ugly dude in, in the play. And he he's whispers. He's got a really long nose. He's yeah, got a really long like, nose. I've seen Roxanne. It's big well, nose, it's, right? It's long in Roxanne, but it's disfigured in the play. I mean, it's just a it's just an, it's, ugly, but it's, in it's the, an ugly nose. Yeah, it's got a noteworthy... There's a noteworthy play where another dune, Jose Ferrer, the emperor from Lynch Dune, plays Cyrano de Bergerac. And in that, he's got essentially Steve Martin's nose. Right. Well, they do so that. So that's where they take that For old time from. theater yeah. reasons is because, because they thought that they had to play. the real Cyrano de Bergerac was disfigured somehow is what where he's drawing upon mm-hmm. so they changed because it's theater just make that fucker really long for the people in the back <laughs> right. you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah so it's weird that we've got this here what we've got in star trek we've got probably what is considered western civilization's first sci-fi writer <laughs> who has been dead for 100 years and somebody makes a play about him mm-hmm. then the 20th century comes along and we've get a bunch of Cyrano de Bergerac plays, and then we get a very famous movie in the 80s, yes. and then it comes back to sci-fi, where it's like, we've got a sci-fi TV show about a play about a writer. Yeah. It's really weird, and it gets, there's like, it's like nesting eggs of weirdness, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. That's what, we, and mm. so the the fight scene where he is giving him the moves essentially it kind of apes the famous play where Cyrano whispers from the bushes this sweet nothings that the right, right. lover is supposed to I'm sorry say. to interrupt you while I'm looking at this there is a Japanese version called The Life of the Expert Swordsman where the Cyrano character is played by Tishara Mifune huh. I need to see this movie all right, okay. And the scene that they're acting out in the Hollow Suite is the most famous Klingon romance between Kalis and Lucara. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which, that was the date. It was to do a holodeck reenactment, which, is, which yeah, was yeah. a fine... That was a fun... Yeah. Uh, and now we're training... You go through him training him to do... Learning all the fights right. there. And I wrote down every bit of Klingon that he's supposed to say... I, I'll save you f- from it. For- <laughs> Why do you do this? Because <laughs> it's so much fun for hey, me. He enjoys the Klingon. I stuff. do enjoy the Klingon, and 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 hey, listeners, if you wish that I were reading it all out for everybody, call and let us know, and I'll do it. Uh, 
<laughs> so yeah, basically, so they have a they have a put marionette fight where he basically right. fights. Yeah, because Quirk even calls her my Lucara, and that's what sets off mm-hmm. not Ben Cisco to go no, and she's like Mavyop. Topak. And some Sorry. good mime acting uh, on the oh, part yeah. from uh, Armin Shimmerman. They say he trained for like 10 days for that. Oh, really? With a mime instructor and everything. and like Just he... to do the mirror the actions that Quir- Worf is doing? Well, yeah, but then there's all the times where the, the thing goes off and it's like the, the Batleth has a mind of its own. And oh, yeah, so it's, yeah, it yeah. turns into sort of like a Mikhail Hero sort of like mm-hmm. Mr. Hilo sort of comedy bit. So right, right, right. that requires some sort of old time Valvillian magic and that that stuff works for me all yeah, that yeah. stuff and yeah. then Grilka takes him back home and gives him gives gives him the business right because at one point Worf snaps off the neck of the little antenna and, yeah and, and Dax has to fix it and they're bickering back and forth because Dax you know she's she's been a good sport but she's starting to get annoyed with him it's like man what do you even see in her anyway and it's like oh mm. it is everything about her the way she carries herself Confident and strong, the proud tilt of her head, the way her face betrays none of her true feelings, the power of her voice. So generally, basically, the 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 idea, the the theory that Dax is putting forth is that is that Worf is not in love with her. Worf is horny. Right. Maybe you, <laughs> and, maybe you should get someone more fun, more entertaining. <laughs> if I were you, anyway, more maybe more more attainable. So Worf. So Dax's theory is. I can fix that for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're horny, I can, I'm, I can, right. I can fix that. You'd be that. amazed what I can do in some size 18s. <laughs> like, yes, yes. And then she just uh, attacks his ass. Oh, yeah. Like hard. Like, uh, well, I think yeah, with, at like, the end, because it's uh, Quirk and Grilka have their little, pro- and he has his right, he has to buy time with, I need the right of proclamation. She's like, well, Fine, you respected our traditions, I'll respect yours. And he makes up a big long spiel just to vamp for time where he's talking about oh, the aquarium of my soul and the bats. And I'm waiting in line with fertile seed of sand coming out of the seeds of my affection. And and it's just bullshit, and, but whatever. And then she says the words, don't makachi, go sick, what it blah, 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 choke sex. <laughs> and then Dax told Worf off and then he's like, oh, and he's sulking. Why does he doesn't deserve her? What does he see in that parasite? And then she starts reciting the lines that I guess which are from this play, I guess, because somewhere in there it says Lucara. Ekpakavira Lucara, whatever. And choke sex, more choke sex. Sorry, I'll I'll uh, save y'all from me from all our listeners that are just totally a <laughs> disgusted with my mispronunciation of the Klingon. <laughs> so we're, I mean, are we, are we, are we at the part where they're, they're, uh, Worf and Dax fuck? Yeah. 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 They just, it's yeah. Choke yeah, sex. Okay. Yeah. We're finally mm-hmm. here, James. You can, <laughs> <laughs> they fuck guys. They fuck <laughs> too lean. Yeah, they don't want to, and she turned, she doesn't want to put like too much of a label on it. Yeah. So she goes through all, I like, I like how she goes through all this with him. And then she like, cools it down a little bit but she doesn't really well, it, he's, in a real naturalistic he's immediately like yeah he's immediately like i want to marry you we have to get married now and she's like whoa because they're in the sick bay and quirk has come in with all these broken ribs and contusions and bashir bashir's fun in this too because he's like what the fuck is going on here and he's like oh yeah i've been fucking that's what's wrong doctor and he's like oh 
I don't need that image in my head. Yeah. And then he goes over and then Worf and Dax are all fucking scraped up and uh, bleeding. And he's like, what have y'all been doing? And like, oh shit, y'all been fucking too. Jeez. Uh, I don't need that image either. In fact, I'm, I'm going to stop asking that question altogether. But yeah, we we have to get married now. It's like, and then it's like, I hate not knowing what's going on. It's like, uh, you don't deal with uncertainty, but one thing's for certain. You're not thinking about Grilka. And then they have a laugh. <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's how that's it ends true. Yeah. Well, oh you're right ha, yeah. ha, 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 ha. That, that is a classic type like farce type play button yeah, to put I, on something yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the show this episode's got only one weakness and we all know it's just missing that Cisco. Oh yeah, he has he has one scene. Yeah, he where they, has one scene where he goes, "What does Pawmark mean?" Oh she yeah, it means love, there. but a little bit more aggressive. Well, that's about it. He's like, "Here, what?" So, okay, I'm gonna go there because the show, the canon, has brought it up. Um, Worf, no, I don't remember what the situation is, but somebody was wanting to fuck Worf in TNG, and he goes. A woman? No, it's when he was met. Met what's her face? The Alexander's oh, the, mom. And he's and he's like, women can't break you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, basically the 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 human the, the human female vagina is is not made for Klingon men. A bake was supposed to be what you're well, what you're thinking. I would you jump straight to vagina? Maybe it just means like Klingon sex involves a lot of choking and broken ribs, and I would probably kill you. Okay. Maybe that I mean, makes yeah, sense. I yeah, would yeah. say that, that that makes more sense than I know, than the I, than the actual vagina would get torn up. Yeah, <laughs> it's, this ain't this ain't we're, we're not in a Kevin Smith movie talking about Superman. <laughs> That's right. Well, well, but it's not. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't necessarily. I was just thinking maybe there was like, uh, you know. Yeah. No. I. They, they, I, I don't know. They've got vestigial organs and whatnot. That's so maybe true. they got. <laughs> they other have a second too. vagina for when 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 one wears out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got a. They do. They have. <laughs> they, they got have, a bullpen. They got a bullpen vagina. Well, and <laughs> I gotta call in middle relief. <laughs> redundant. They have redundant organs. Right. Right. Yes. But you know, Dax is not a human. She's a trill, and she she can take it. She can rough it up with the. You're saying sure. it can take a pounding. I'm not. I'm the just trills. saying she can. She she's hang hung out. She's spent a lot of time with Klingons. She can hold her own. That's. That's all so I'm it's saying. just a, it's just a matter of the sadomasochist element of the Klingon sex that is rough. So she yeah. can sort of match toe to toe with that due to a lifetime of understanding and yeah, training. Lifetimes. But okay, so then it but we also we learn in this episode that it goes the other way because Grilka put oh yeah Quark in the hospital. Yeah. So and he's happy for it. Like he's like, oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Never mind. We can totally it, this out. Because this, is she is she donkey is she donkey punching him? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like she's doing well. well that seems like that would be. It seems like you could play that, and they're not. They shouldn't. But it seems like if this was a more adult centered show, you could play that for like. Uh, I thought I wanted this until she punched me in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> And she she claws him. Uh, well, there's a lot of he. I, yeah, I wrote down some of it, but I'm sorry, I failed the podcast. I didn't write every broken contusion and everything that Cork had in the past. I might have, and I was like, you know what? I, this isn't necessary. But I mean, they they definitely show it as that it was it was worthwhile. So oh yeah, yeah. So it was just one of those things where it was like they introduce in the in the canon this sort of concept, and then like obviously 
with Dax. She's yeah, she's strong. Like and so, this is my happiest culmination of where she is. Not because she found a man. That's not what it is. Right. But that she, I don't know. She seems like that she she's a woman who goes out and gets what she wants. And it seems like that this was a right. well done thing. Where she's she, happy that she's a three dimensional person who has agency. Yeah, yeah, she has agency in the relationship that she wasn't that she's not defined by him. Right. That goes on forever. And in fact, in a, in some ways, he even becomes defined by her. Oh, yeah. Oh, Worf is totally... It's definitely... Bad. Like, yeah. his character is totally taken on a journey for the next two seasons. And then, spoiler alert, you get to, like, sort of take on, like, what oh, like yeah, what yeah, he is know, afterwards. Yeah. And so, it's an interesting... Like, so they give him a dynamic. This is one of my favorite elements of this show. And I could see, like, people maybe being cynical about it at the time. You're hooking up two cast members, but... And this is the kind of... The, this is the kind of material that Terry Farrell like really thrives in too. So yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So she's great in this, but this is sort of like the you know there's the Sam and Diane issue uh-huh. where if you take two cast members and put them or the like like what happened in Gilmore Girls when Lorelai finally fucks Luke, uh-huh. like the show the show just like oh this isn't interesting anymore, and so um, then you have to like, I'm, I'm right in the midst of Luke and uh, Lorelai so. I'm not there oh, you yet. You haven't watched all of the. You haven't watched all. Of I'm the... in season six right now, and I love that they're together, James. Uh, don't. So I haven't been. <laughs> it hasn't gotten boring for me yet. You don't I'm know just, how it ends. No, I don't. Oh well, shit. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna ruin. You're on a little bit of a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they get boring. I'm sorry okay. that you're in the no, good part. Well, but, here, here, but that's here. what I'm saying is that this is the time where they can where a show puts two people together and actually right. ends up making them more interesting together. And that's maybe maybe that's why when people are are quote unquote reading shipping characters in TV shows, maybe that's what they are looking for, an aspect that they're looking for. Yes. For them to get more interesting or tr- like for the love to be transformative to their character. I think I don't know I don't, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's what people are, want or not. But from an outsider looking in, I think people just want the characters they love to be. They they just like romance and they want. But to the see problem it. in a show is that all of the the will the Sam and Diane part of the, yeah. the coming together is always um, usually it's where the show stops working. Yeah, because well, they, it's because it's because well, romance it's, and romance and relationships are two different things. That's right. what I was about yeah. to say. It's because you want to get them together, but once you're together, it's about the. The, like the battle right. of attrition between right. the, yeah. the, the the individual and the, the the couple, the couple, right? Or else they've they've reached stasis and stasis is boring. So like, yeah. yes, yeah. and then you have to make up them interesting by either by putting threats to the romance, to the attachment, not threats to the relation. Like, right, right. So, and that was where they go from here is that they that negotiating these two strong-willed people's lives together becomes interesting. Right, right, and, and 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 rewarding into itself. So yeah, this is uh, this is uh, really really super super great stuff. Yeah, and this is this episode We're finally here. Yeah, it set stuff up that you know is very interesting for going forward in the series. So we'll have a lot to talk about that started from this episode. Yes, yes, it's good stuff. Super stoked. Yeah. Well, you guys on your rewatch meter. Let's get to that real quick. Oh, this is up before we get into the IMDb stuff right yeah. oh, oh this will go uh, you kind of tipped your hand where you might be who but this is gonna be yeah I'm, I'm like at a this like is a 10 a, for me three maybe <laughs> right. no, really? I've watched, no, I've no, watched. That's, not, that's not fair I would say a three is where you like 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say it's probably a five where if it's on, I'll sit down and watch it. Um, no, I've, I've personally, I probably watched this episode 10 times. So, <laughs> right. so yeah, it's, uh, I, I'll put it at a high. It's a, it's a, as high as it gets for you then, right? 10? Yeah. Yeah. Probably in the rewatch meter, not on the, like yeah. my personal rating of it. It may not even, I mean, it may not even be a top 10 show because it's not mining you know super deep things yeah i'm right. only talking about like on like your scale of rewatchability yeah yeah yes it's high and is your rewatching your, your issue is that you just don't like seeing o'brien <laughs> almost cheat on his wife a lot well i guess <laughs> that, that's part of also, what <laughs> to see what i mean to what i get but like also to watch wharf inexplicably fall like fall for a woman that he doesn't like he's just horny like you said he's just horny you <laughs> he's, know? Just horny. he's just horny yeah. and that's what motivates him throughout this which is fine i mean who among us have not just been horny well okay so like, that's that's the question then that adds an interesting question do you think that he just falls in to a relationship that's handed to him or that there is like a there's some scale there's a veil that's drawn back where like a montage plays in his mind know, of all man. of the moments that they've had and I he realizes I part. am in love with her. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't I think that they're gonna work that out over the next episode. I think yeah. they had yeah. a they had like an encounter and Worf will have to grapple with all that stuff coming up. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he wants to marry her, because he's essentially like a Christian, so, you know, like... I've, right, we've had sex, we have to get married now. Yeah, we've had tons of Christian, you know, we went to, you know, we, we, were, we, we, grew, we grew up in the, the South. We know, the Bible Belt, we know yeah. a lot of Christian boys who fuck girls and then go, oh, we gotta get married, and you're yeah. like, but we're 16. Right, or else they, <laughs> they're they hypocrites and, like, you have to get an abortion. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, like, well, that part some too. of those too. Like, uh, <laughs> if there's no baby, they have to get married. If there's a baby, they have to get a secret abortion. Um... Yeah, so, okay, so we're good here. Uh, where do we think? I think this is... Uh, what the... What, I, yeah. I'm going to say 8.2. I'm going to say 8 point... <laughs> I almost went higher than I should have. I'm going to say 8.3. 8.1. Okay, so Wade is at 8.1 and James is at what? 8.3. 8.2. Or 2. two. This has got 771 votes and it is a 7.7. 7. Damn it. Not too many people. I mean, like, for instance, last week the ship was a 7.9 and had 754 votes. So, yeah. Apocalypse <laughs> Rising, 770, exact same amount of votes as this episode was 8.2. This is not. So next week, uh, ben, uh, Jake Sisko uh, finds himself in Red Badge of Courage. So, and- yeah. Okay. <laughs> nah. nah. Okay. All right. The I, well, you know. Fine. I to, for That's me fine. these first three episodes of season five have been spitting fire the whole time. So sure. I mean, yeah. Well, you know what? Oh, I don't. Like I don't I even say, necessarily haven't least, watched it yet. I haven't watched it either. It's I haven't like, watched it either. But I remember. I remember it. The last Jake we had was the Muse. So you know. <laughs> no, I, I mean I think. This is something about war and is he and he's yeah. a cow like he finds himself in some sort of oh, battle and he oh, and he's like being a, he's I he's, he's all is this where he's like a Vietnam reporter basically yes, yes. Yeah. okay I think I like this one yeah, yeah. but uh, what I like about it is I think just that it's different yeah Again, yeah, yeah like mm. you're showing a different side of the Star Trek world so that's that's kudos to them yeah I think maybe I'll really like next week we'll see yeah yeah maybe I'll watch it right now all yeah. right. Well, I think now we're going to move on to voicemails and emails, right? Yes. All right. Engage. 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 
Tak rozka. Nekto! Hey, we're here for voicemails. Who wants to listen to some? <laughs> I do. I know I do. All right. Voicema- voicemails well, are like the milkman of human kindness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sneak in all of these Billy Bragg references. Uh, oh, okay. You guys don't <laughs> get because like, you told me y'all don't listen to Billy Bragg. So, all right. Yeah. Two sh- <laughs> sips of him- human kindness and I'm shit-faced. <laughs> uh, yeah. We've got, we're going back a little while because... We've been busy with Discovery. We've got a backlog of some of these, but hey, let's start off with one from a, a first-time responder. This is on the Mikey episode. Uh, I can't remember beforehand. Sorry, we pre-talk. Oh yeah, it's on the Mikey. I thought the Mikey oh. episode. Oh, the, the Mikey episode. Yes. Oh, Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, from from Chief O'Brien's own home country, and yes, it does help your cause. It's, yeah, uh, Kira would like to go there. Yeah. I think that's this episode. Like, that could tie in. Okay. Eric would love to see this man's home country. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Yes. Oh, oh, I'd go there with you. Oh, I'd go, oh I'd yeah. So, I'd so go to Thailand <laughs> with you. And your giant face and your small facial features. <laughs> I am totally racist. Uh, I, I have every racist thing to say against, uh, because I'm basically 90% Irish. I feel that I can, like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's like the the way they use rap lyrics. I feel like I can do that with Irish, but I probably can't. <laughs> yeah, like every American that claims Irish descent and the Irish people are like, well, we don't care if you're Irish. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Yeah, well, sorry. We're, <laughs> all right. Oh, oh, let's just let let's just let the man talk. Hello, this is Paul Bowler from County Kerry, O'Brien's home county. Um, I just wanted to make a few comments about the Mackey episode. Um, I don't not a big fan of Mackey episodes in general. But I do think they represent a very interesting uh, cultural and moral and political conundrum for those of us who spend an unhealthy, an unhealthy amount of time within the Star Trek world. The treaty between the Federation and the Canadians cost the Federation some real estate. A peace treaty with an aggressive neighbour that cost just a few planets is a treaty worth signing and protecting. Of course, some of those planets were occupied, and then the question becomes one of what constitutes home. Is home the exact location one is? Or is it the cultural jurisdiction one inhabits? The Maquis are animated by the first version, or locationists for short, and are rightly offended by the high-handed manner in which their governing body signed away their homes. The grandees of the Federation obviously hold to the latter version, and do not consider themselves as having handed over the homes of the citizens. They gave away mere rocks in order to safeguard the lives of hundreds of billions of the citizens. There are, after all, many rocks in which to live, in, live on, and if those rocks are within Federation space, then a Federation citizen is always home. And as for Cisco's animus towards Eddington, his particular uh, animus, it's not because he betrayed the Federation, and not because he made Cisco look like a bit of an idiot, but because Eddington betrayed Starfleet. The same Starfleet Cisco lectured Worf about in the episode beforehand. It's a paramilitary organization with very high ideals. They are expected to die to protect civilians. Imagine the extent to which one has to buy into an organization's, organization's mantra to accept an unavoidable death rather than see civilians harmed. Then imagine the rage one would experience when a fellow officer shits all over those values. Anyway, that's my middle-aged white man. Most expressive opinion on everything's worth. Love the podcast. Bye. <laughs> I didn't hear that last line. What did he say? Um, bye. No, I don't. Did he like the podcast? I can't remember. Let's see. Oh, okay. I th- okay. I th- yeah. No, right. That's fine. okay. <laughs> oh man, that's a 
Wayback machine here. Um, no, I agree. I think I think that maybe my ult. I don't think that. Yeah, I I still like. I don't know. Like I I still wish that they had wrote the monkey better. Not that I. Yeah. Don't. Well, his point is like that they're locationist more than they are like you know about idealist about what the federation means. Yeah, and I think that that's to the story's detriment. I sure. wish it was yeah. more of a more of a theme like a thematic idealist, which because it's. Because I'm more interested in a this overarching thesis, and I've been working on this for a long time, and it's not it's not too it's not a mind twister or anything like that. Because I think we all sort of inherently know that this, but Deep Space Nine is essentially a stress test for the Federational ideal. Oh yeah, yeah. and that that sort of how it works. And what I would like to see, what burbled up, is you have a lot of critiques from without. But the Maquis was an opportunity to give a true yeah. peak from within. And I I think they I think they lean towards more than one than you think carries water, but I do agree that they could have found other ways to do it. Yeah. So that's my I mean, and that's my sort of to yeah. knock against it. But I I I, I, I love I, I I mean I like Cisco and I like yeah. Cisco in that episode. I do think that they and his beef with Eddington is that well Eddington betrayed him. I get that. that well, Eddington's yeah, person. and well and portrayed the Federation that he takes so seriously. So he's sure. just not going to get. But angry. I mean, he didn't respond yeah. to. I'm going to get you, sucker, with the same vitriol that he responded to Eddington with. But I think it was because Eddington was knowingly lying to his face. Right. Yeah. Well, he gave so him a years. chance. Yeah. And then when he didn't take it, he, then he's like, <laughs> sure, also. sure. I mean, he didn't, he didn't supplant. I mean, he didn't supplant his loyalty to the Federation for his loyalty to whatever that actor is. That right, character's right, right, name right. is, I don't remember. But, um, but it wasn't like that he betrayed Ben Sisko. He changed his mind and, and right, harbored, right. you know, so it wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like he was lying, openly lying to Sisko for, you know, two seasons. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for calling Paul. We, yeah. And I follow, I follow Paul on Twitter. He's a good. Paul. Yeah. He's, yeah, a, good so yeah. he's a good, he's a good egg. He's a, he's a, uh, I mean, he seems to be his, his Twitter feed is, is, is very political activist in Ireland. And it's, it's been pretty informative to me. I don't comment on him, but like I read you, Paul and I like you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All Thanks. right. And if somebody wants to get a hold of us, Wade, uh, what should they do? They should give us a call at, 917-408-3898. It's our little hotline number where you can record a message. It'll cut you off for three minutes, just so you know. Uh, if you can also record something and send it to us at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. If you're somewhere and you can't just call in the number or you for whatever reasons you want to do it that way or send us an email, do that. Yeah, we we would love to hear what you think about Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, or, or people use that call for Discovery, too. But whatever, give us a call. 917-408-3898. And if you want to support the show, we have a lot of content over on the Kickers of Elves Patreon. We have our uh, ongoing series on Frank Herbert's Dune. We just dropped our talk on David Lynch's movie version of Dune. There's some really good stuff over there. If you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash kickers of elves. All right. Well, uh, yeah. thanks again for listening to the rules of acquisition. We hope you join us next week as we get uh, back into a deep dive dive on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. For Wade James and myself, three to beam out. Bloop.
Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you blue apron snacks and underwear made out of modal. The number is 917-408-3898 That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that, again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.